Welcome to Wild Tater Podcast. I'm Charles Hathaway. Today we're going to talk about the box elder tree, which as many people may think of it as a weed tree, I think of it as a wonder tree. Okay, we're going to talk about that today. Uh, the box elder is also known as Acer Nagundo, or as our Google friend would pronounce it. Acer Nagundo. Achernagundo. So we'll go with that. Okay. The uh, box elder tree is in the maple family, which is the key to this, this whole discussion about the use of the box elder tree. Unlike, okay, let me, let me just share a story real quick. Um, my, uh, my wife went with my uh, son to a, uh, a Cub Scout camp thing, and they had some, some forestry people there working and they and they showed them I, I may have told this story but they, they may have or they showed them a uh, choke cherry branch with some choke cherries on it and said but you can't eat the berries they're poisonous and then they uh, pointed out some various maple trees that were in the mountains they're like but these maples don't have syrup like like the sugar maple does and you know when, it, when she came home and and she said she was kind of, because she knew from my talking about it that both facts were wrong, were not facts at all. Uh, and I was just like, ah, where do these people get their information? I can understand if they said, okay, there is edible aspects to this, but do not eat it because the seed is poisonous and we can't, you know, be liable. We, you know, all this stuff basically saying don't eat it. Or, or even saying this is in the wilderness, so you know you you're not allowed to to eat any of this anyway, and uh, and so forth. I can understand that. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But saying that you can't or that it's poisonous, that's just spreading the stupid lies that uh, that have have made everybody afraid to eat plants that aren't lettuce, tomato, and spinach. And I think that's very unfortunate. The reason I say that story is because, you know, there's there's this idea that the only maple that you can tap for syrup is the sugar maple. And that's just a lie. The box elder tree is in the maple family. And let me give you some idea of the difference and why people say that it can't, quote unquote, can't be tapped for syrup. Okay, because while it takes, if you want a gallon of maple syrup, okay, from a sugar maple, you need 40 gallons of sap. For the same amount from a box elder tree, you need 60 gallons of sap. Okay, 40 from the sugar maple, 60 from the box elder. That's the difference. And every other maple in between is somewhere between 40 and 60. So it's not like you can't get syrup out of it. It's just that you have to boil it down further, which means you don't get as much syrup out of it. There's a huge difference between having to put in a little bit more work and, and calling it inedible or unusable. That's, that's ridiculous. It's not even double uh, what it takes. I mean, 40 to 60. I mean, well, anyway. So box elder syrup is said to taste like, I have not tried it myself, and I'm really excited to, uh, is said to have kind of a butterscotchy flavor, which really gets me excited because I love the butterscotch flavor. Um, 
But let's go ahead and read the description of the box elder tree. Please don't think of it as a weed tree anymore because it is a very fast growing tree. And once you get any maple of any kind to 12 inches wide, thick, whatever, so you could hold a ruler across and, and it's, you know, that thick, a foot across, you can start tapping it. And I would recommend only one tap a year. Um, that will not hurt the tree sufficient to do any damage. And once they are a foot across, they are well established, so it would take a lot to hurt the tree anyway. But um, just have that as a rule of thumb. Anything you want to tap, you know, get to a foot. I planted a box elder tree at our old house uh, that we used to live in uh, 11 years ago, okay? And it is big enough to tap now, from what I can tell. And I would love to tap it, but unfortunately, we don't live at that house anymore. So <laughs> I feel like knocking on the door. Can I try tapping? No. But I'm going to talk in, in a little while about another way of tapping that you may not have to wait so long and will not be quite as stressful on the tree. Anyway, okay. Let's talk about uh, what PFAF, the Plants for a Future website, um, pfaf.org, says about the box elder. Okay, common name is box elder. It's from the Aceraceae family, or it, let, let's just see what our uh, Google friend, how, how our Google friend pronounces the uh, maple family. Whoops. Aceraceae. Aceraceae. I don't think anybody in English would read it that way, but uh, Aceraceae. Um, Aceraceae is probably the more common pronunciation. Okay, it's uh, U.S. hardiness zones eight or three to eight, which makes it wonderful for this area. Anything that goes down to three is like cream of the crop. Um, no known hazards for this tree. Habitats found in various uh, in a variety of soil types, growing best in lowland sites along rivers, streams, ponds, or seasonally flooded flats. And I'm going to give this as a heads up for those who try it. Um, because, you know, like I said, if you just go somewhere in a neighborhood where there is a nice size box elder tree and, and you just look around, you're going to find them popping up in the cracks and, and uh, parkways and sideways of, of the streets and so forth around. Um, not because they're, they're growing up from the roots, but rather they're growing from those little seed pods that, that helicopter down to the ground. And... Um, you can go up and just in the cracks of a sidewalk. My the uh, box elder tree I just described that is now big enough to tap. I found it in a crack in the middle of my uh, the the apartment building that we were living in several years ago. Uh, it, it was a crack in the parking lot. I mean, terrible place for it. And I just kind of you know pulled at it, worked it, you know. Uh, moved it a bit back and forth and because uh, I couldn't get any kind of shovel there's nothing I could I mean it was a crack that's all it was worked it out enough that there was some root showing and and was able to pull it out then I got it in a pot and took good care of it you know it wilted for a week and then came back and then planted it in the ground and once I got it in the ground at our house which was a short time later um, you know like I said that was uh, that was 11 years ago and it just shot up. Now, the box elder, once you plant it like that, because doing a rescue tree method is a fabulous way to get a box elder tree. It grows so quickly. Um, 
once it's growing, what you'll find is that if you haven't watered it recently enough, it looks, the poor thing just, bleh, just wilted it like, like it's, you know, just so sad. This poor little tree will look so sad. Pour a bucket of water on it. The next day, it looks happy as if you've been watering it all along. I swear, it's it's the weirdest thing. Most of the time when trees start to wilt, you know, they'll like crinkle up the leaves and start dying after the fact and then grow new leaves if they're going to make it through. But I swear, the box elder, it just looks so sad when it's thirsty. You water it and it looks so happy again. So don't give up on it easily. And uh, even if it does crinkle up and die before you notice or something, water it again. I think you'll be surprised at how happy this is to come back. And if you do plant it near a watery or boggy area, it's just going to be in heaven. But let me say this, that wilty, whatever, you're growing it in dry, dead soil, and, and you just give it that bucket of water whenever it starts to wilt or whatever, it will continue to shoot up, and it will reach a point after a couple of years where it, it has tapped down into that lower regions of water or, or you know, reserves of nutrients, whatever it's doing, and suddenly you don't need to water it anymore. It will be fine, and it will take it from here, and it will grow, you know, sometimes a couple, three feet a year, whatever, and it will do fantastic. Now, I have not grown any other maple trees um, from that small, so it could be that that's just a maple thing to grow that fast, that well. I don't know. I hope so, because I really want some maple trees, and I'm planning on getting some soon. Anyway, um, a few pointers for starting it growing that way. Rescue tree is a great way to go. It, within two years, it'll be like um, as if you'd bought it for 50 bucks at a, at a nice store. And I should say, too, the box elder tree, unlike the lollipop trees that you'll sometimes see with a, you know, the, the trunk and then a big bush, it wants to grow more like a lilac tree. And if you let it, it will grow like a lilac tree and have cover this big round bush area, which is wonderful because uh, it, it provides lots of shade that way. You can train it so that, you know, just clip the lower leaves if you want it to be a lollipop tree. Most people who have box elder trees in their front yards do it that way. But there's no reason to if you don't have a reason to. It makes beautiful shade and animals uh, just love it and so forth. It is a diaceous tree diaceous tree, meaning that it needs a male and a female in order to um, have productive seed. And um, if you have, if you don't want box elder bugs, which is what, I mean, box elder bugs pretty much just eat box elders. That's, that's their primary diet. If you don't want those, just get a male tree. They won't even look at it. They, they feed off the seeds of the uh, female box elder tree the male won't even grow seeds. So if you're worried about that, just get a male. That's all it takes. Okay, summary. Uh, the box elder is an undesirable tree for many urban situations and in many city and some cities. Planting it may be uh, illegal. I, I find that hilarious. It's considered a invasive species, a weed tree, probably because it spreads so well, which makes it excellent for ecological uh, uh, re- uh, recovery and so forth you know you're trying to to fill up a space and, and 
start a, a food forest. I mean, if you get enough box elders going, you could have gallons and gallons of, depending on the size of your property, of course, if you have gallons and gallons of box elder syrup, there may be lots of people with uh, maple syrup selling in your region, but I can guarantee you there's not going to be many doing box elder syrup. And when they taste it and they're like, oh, I like this, you're going to be the primary source. So um, if if you can get it to take in your area, you could, you know, it, it's a great opportunity. That, that's the way I see it with any of these quote-unquote weed species that are growing. I think it's funny that they say planting it may be illegal. As far as I know, it's not illegal where I'm at. Utah even has a box elder county because of all the box elders. Um, if they make it illegal, I'm going to be like, then you better make it Ill be illegal to live in box elder county because... <laughs> no, I don't think it is. Um, but anyway, the unders uh, continuing on. The undesirable characteristics are brittle, weak wood, short life, sustainable sustainability to box elder bug, and trunk decay. But the tree will grow just about anywhere, and therefore it may have uses due to its adaptability. The best thing about the tree is that it will grow in adverse sites where more desirable trees may not. Exactly. Okay. We could go on about the desirable characteristics of it. I think I've made my point pretty well. Okay. Acer Nagundo, if, if that's how I pronounced it, Acer Nagundo, is a deciduous tree growing to 21 meters, or 69 feet, by 8 meters, or 26 feet. So it's great tall. Just imagine a lilac tree that just shoots up 69 feet. It, it can do that, anyway. It's hardy to zone 2. That's, that's even lower than it listed above. Again, another example of how they're their uh, sources are coming from different books, and so they will say different things, probably adapted to different climates. It grows fabulously in my uh, zone 5A here. So it is in flower from April to May, and the seeds ripen from September to October. The species is dioecious. I'm going to look up, I'm going to have our Latin Google friend pronounce that for us just to see what... Dioecious. Dioecious. I like that. Okay, well, I like diaceous, diaceous better because that's how you would probably pronounce it in English. It almost looks like the word delicious, um, but diaceous or whatever. Anyway, that means that it, there's a girl tree and a boy tree. We talked about that. Okay, um, and it is pollinated by bees. The plant is not self-fertile, so you need another plant to get it to grow, obviously. Suitable for light, medium, and heavy soils, sandy, loamy, and clay. Uh, it prefers well-drained soil and can grow in heavy clay soil. Uh, the suitable pH is acid, neutral, and basic soils, or alkaline. It can grow in semi-shade, or light woodland, or no shade. It prefers moist soil. The plant can tolerate strong winds, but not maritime exposure. That's interesting, maritime exposure being ocean-related. I suspect this would be a good tree for windbreak because of its thick, straight-up, you know, just, I mean, if you had several of these in a row, you could, you could make a wall, a, a wind wall of box elder trees and go out every spring, early spring, tap every one of them, um, 
and and get just gallons of of uh, syrup out of these. Okay, let's go on. Edible uses: inner bark, leaves, sap, and seed. The sap contains a reasonable quantity of sugar and can be used as a refreshing drink or be concentrated into a syrup. I love that idea of tapping it and just drinking the sap directly. I mean, imagine kind of a mapley uh, drink. I, I gotta try that. Anyway, the syrup is used as a sweetener on many foods. The sugar content is inferior to Acer saccharum, which would be the sugar maple, according to one report, whilst another says it is highly valued as a producer of sweet sap. The sugar from the sap of this tree is said to be whiter than that of other maples. That's kind of cool. You got this finished sap and it's much lighter, whiter. To obtain the sap, bore a hole on the sunny side of the trunk into the sapwood about one meter above the ground at any time from January 1st until the leaves appear. The flow is best on a warm day after a frost. The best sap production comes from cold wind winter areas with continental climates. Inner bark can be eaten raw or cooked. It can be dried, ground into a powder, and then used as a thickener in soups, etc., and can be added to cereal flours when making bread, cakes, etc. The inner bark can also be boiled until the sugar crystallizes out of it. Self-sown seedlings gathered in early spring are eaten fresh or dried for later use. And the seeds can be cooked. The wings are removed from the seeds, boiled, and then eaten hot. The seed is up to 12 millimeters long and is produced in small clusters. There's another good use for the female tree, uh, the seed. I'm very interested to taste the uh, seed now that I've read this because it grows such an abundance of these seeds. And I'm imagining eating them while they're still green because you just pop open the, uh, you know, when when it dries, it's got that helicopter thing and, and it's all crackly and it would snap and so forth. But while it's green, it can be easily pried open. So you've got kind of this seed sitting inside in this kind of little sack um, as if it's, you know, being protected by this uh, this helicopter thing. And, I, and at that time, it's very juicy and a little bit not slimy, that's not the right word, but just uh, juicy, I guess. And and I have not tasted it, but I suspect it would be rather sweet because of the sap and so forth. Let me give you a quick, because we're on box elder, which is a great tapping tree. Let me give you uh, something that I learned recently that I'm dying to try, and that is branch tapping. Okay, because you can do it on younger trees. You're going to be trimming trees, pruning trees anyway in the spring. So if you're still in this spring pruning season and you're pruning trees, just cut off that prune where you would, maybe even a little bit higher up so that um, the, the branch is plenty bendable. What you're going to want to do is clip off a few ends of, of prunable branches and then get a water bottle and jab the ends that you've just clipped off, not not the ones that are that are separated from the tree, not the parts you clipped off, but the the 
branches from which you clipped and stick the ends into that water bottle. Get a uh, rope or something to wrap it so it'll hold and dangle it. You know, may have to add a little bit of a weight so that it so that the branches that are cut off are pointed, you know, sloping downward so that when it drips, it drips downward because if it's dripping upward, that will not work for you. There's a thing called gravity that makes water want to go down. <laughs> okay, and uh, have it go into the water bottle and then as it drips, it will catch it in the water bottle. Now, I don't know what how it compares in terms of, you know, how many tablespoons, gallons, or whatever that you'll get compared to doing a drill tap. But if you're having to um, prune these trees anyway, you might as well, assuming it's not too young and, and needs every bit of strength that it can get, you know, if you're going to prune it anyway, just stick a water bottle on the end there, strap it to it, and let it leak into it for a little while. Maybe you'll have a cup of sap to drink. I mean, how cool is that? <laughs> so give it a try. I'm excited to try it myself in the upcoming years as my box elders that are now only three feet tall uh, become more um, substantial and I can start tapping and so forth. I'm looking forward to that. I am on a piece of land just as a, a little background here. I'm on a piece of land where it was terribly degraded from, from over uh, you know, ruminants and, and um, uh, cattle, I think, were on here, sheep. You know, it was overgrazed, basically. And I'm trying to recover it. And uh, it, it takes time to do that on, on degraded land like that. But I'm, I take it as a great challenge and one that I'm excited to do. So that's, that's what's going on. I've got some box elders, but they're still growing. Anyway, other uses. The leaves are packed around apples, root crops, etc. to help preserve them. Interesting. A fairly wind-tolerant tree can be used in mixed plantings as part of a shelter belt, uh, of shelter belt plantings. Wood is soft, weak, light, and close-grained. It weighs 27 pounds per cubic foot. Of little com uh, commercial value, it is used for boxes, cheap furniture, pulp, uh, fuel, etc. Large trunk burls or knots have been used to make drums. That's interesting. Gonna have to try that. I will say these branches, because they are, you know, soft, weak, brittle, and so forth, they make fabulous compost. And so, you know, cutting off these trees, doing chop and drop, whatever you want to call it, could be very useful. Okay, cultivation details of easy cultivation, succeeding in most soils, but preferring a rich, moist, well-drained soil and a sunny position. Grows well in heavy clay soils and in, in, in sandy soils. Plants often become chlorotic on very alkaline soils. Plants are hardy to about negative 18 Celsius. A fast-growing but short-lived tree in the wild, living for 75 to 100 years. I love that. And not that it's short-lived. I don't love that fact. But the fact that we consider 75 to 100 years as short-lived, that is short-lived. you got to understand this about trees. When you're in a yard where you're going to be there for 50 years and you get these ancient trees and so forth, and you're like, yeah, this old tree is 75 years old, you know, and it feels so ancient that way. That is not ancient by tree standards. 
by tree standards, you know, 500 years is not ancient. That's mature. And there is a whole, uh, I mean, when, when we look at a forest and we see these spindly little trees trying to grow, and I'm going to share this principle over and over again because I think it's valuable. Um, these little trees trying to compete for shade and they just can't get more than a couple inches a year because the shade is, is you know, they're just shaded out. And, and you know, we, in trying to reforest the land, think we got to cut down some of these old ones, get the trees, the, um, the sun on these younger trees so they can grow up too. We're doing a terrible disservice because what happens in the wild is these mature old trees that are shading out the young ones are disciplining these young trees. They want the sun so they can just shoot up and just uh, become these massive trees overnight. And these old trees are kind of saying, no, young one, slow down, slow down. And it's true that that young small tree is more susceptible to being eaten by a deer. And it's more susceptible to being, you know, stomped out by animals and people and so forth. But if it can make it, if it can work for 50 years to finally get to good sunlight, 50 years, then it, and it's taken 50 years to get there, it has such a strong trunk system that that tree can live a thousand years. I'm not even kidding. You know, and maybe this isn't the case with box elder trees but with many trees in the wild that we would otherwise cut down the big ones in order to let the little ones grow. If they get that direct sun, yes, they will grow quickly. And in a few years, they are the cover story. But because of that, we've, they've got weak wood. They'll live 120 years instead of the thousand that they could live. There's something about growing up slowly that makes a tree tougher. It will be able to live longer, much longer, than it would have lived if it grew up quickly. So, you know, that's just a thought that I had. So, you know, this this 75 to 100 years, that's perfect if you need it in an urban backyard that you're planning on selling in, 50, in 30 years, whatever. Okay, but uh, land has so much more worth than property value. So much more worth. Anyway, that was a long-winded uh, sidetrack. But uh, anyway, it's fairly wind tolerant, but the branches have a tendency to break in strong winds. Good to know. This species is cultivated commercially in Illinois for its sap. Another report says that it is one of the least productive species for sugar. A very ornamental plant. There are several uh, named varieties. This tree is a bad companion. Let's see. This tree is a bad companion in that it is said to inhibit the growth of neighboring plants. This species is notably resistant to honey fungus, very tolerant of pruning. It can regenerate from old wood if it is cut back hard. Dioecious, male and female plants must be grown seed, you know, for seed to, um, to grow. Let me give a little personal note on that bad companion thing. The best... Um, box elder that I've had grown was five feet from an, an American elm tree, which is a huge, fast-growing, you know, just beefy tree. Uh, three feet from a, no, 
right up against, I mean, like almost competing for the same square foot, square inch possibly, initially, with a wild rose. And these two just like fed on each other. They just, ooh, it was like they were competing this, this wild rose and the box elder. And the elder just a few feet away. And they just, boom, they took off. And they've been doing wonderfully. Now, the people that lived there after us, unfortunately, took away the wild rose. A wonderful rose hip berry plant, which I'm disappointed about, but it's not my prop, or it's not, you know, I don't live there anymore, so obviously, you know, <laughs> I can't complain, but I want another wild rose like that. It was a wonderful plant. But anyway, I, I beg to differ about the, uh, the bad companion plant. I think what you need to do is just do a little research and find out what grows good next to it. I do know that it is, that the maple family is tolerant to the uh, intolerant of the of the juglone chemical that is in walnuts. It's possible that it produces some of its own juglone. I don't know. Um, but if that's the case, well, great. Grow it next to, you know, uh, nuts and maples grown together. I have an area of my yard that uh, of my property that I designated as the maple nut community because I want to grow all different kinds of maples and all different kinds of nut trees in that area. Now obviously I'm going to have to be careful with like the almonds and so forth that I don't plant them right next to the walnuts and so forth but the maples and the walnuts do good together so that's fabulous. They can be grown closer together than they would be able to do if you were planting something that was sensitive to that juglone chemical. Okay anyway so just be aware of that. Propagation. Seed. It's best sown as soon as it is ripe in a cold frame. It usually germinates in the following spring. Pre-soak stored seeds for 24 hours and then stratify for 2 to 4 months at 1 to 8 degrees Celsius. It can be slow to germinate. Let me just say this to 1 to 8 degrees Celsius in the coldest part of your refrigerator. Honestly, you could probably even stick in the freezer um, if you need to stratis stratify it yourself. Or if you're in, an, in a deciduous area, meaning that you have winter with snow, just store it outside, I suppose. You could, you know, probably as long as you're going to use it early in the spring, then you'll be fine, you know, storing it in bottles or whatever so that bugs don't eat it. Um, anyway, the seed can be harvested green, when it is fully developed, but before it is dried to produce any germination inhibitors, and sown immediately. It should germinate in late winter. If the seed is harvested too soon, it will produce very weak plants, or no plants at all. While large enough to handle pick, uh, while, while large enough to handle, prick the seedlings out into individual pots and grow them until they are 20 centimeters or, or more tall, before planting them out in their permanent positions. Layering, which takes about 12 months, is successful with most species in this genus. Cuttings of young shoots in June or July. The cuttings should have two to three pairs of leaves plus one pair of buds at the base. Remove a very thin slice of bark at the base of the cutting. Rooting is improved if a rooting hormone is used. A rooting, the rooted cuttings must be shown new bed growth 
during the summer before being spotted up. Otherwise, they are unlikely to survive the winter. The cuttings in this species are usually rooted, or usually root easily. Budding to Acer nagundo in nearly some, that's box elder, in early summer usually works well. The bud should develop a small shoot in the summer. Otherwise, it is unlikely to survive the winter. I'm fascinated by that, um, the budding onto the box elder usually works well. That makes me suspicious that you could probably take a sugar maple bud. Just, just you know, ask somebody if you can have a 12-inch cutting of their sugar maple and then um, do some uh, bud grafting onto your uh, uh, box elder root and you could get a sugar maple out of it. I think that'd be so cool to try. Anyway, so it, I, you know, when you hear about these weed trees and so forth, whenever I hear a weed tree, I'm like, I want to know what that tree has to offer. And then if it has something really good to offer, like sugar syrup, I want that plant because a weed means that it's prolific, that it will grow abundantly and easily. And I, I just can't complain about that. Not, not on a big property like mine. If I was on a tenth of an acre, which my old house was, you know what? I would still plant it there. I, <laughs> I think this is a great tree to have. Uh, you know, when people talk about things being so being uh, invasive, it's usually in some areas they can potentially be a problem, but in most areas they'll be fabulous. And we keep weeding it out of areas where there's no trees and things like that. And you're like, dude, what? Seriously? Anyway, <laughs> my little beef on weeds and so forth, especially weed trees. That's, that's a contradict in, contradiction in terms in my mind. Anyway, thank you so much again for listening. Thank you.